Hello and welcome to Nerd Vomit. My name is Doug. I'm a nerd and this is my vomit. Now, before we even get into this, yes, I took my birthday off. Yes, I posted a David Harbour uh, exclusive panel from Denver Pop Culture Con. Hope you enjoyed it. I'm back and unfortunately because I took my birthday off from recording this show, I'm a little late to the game in terms of some of the things we're going to be talking about. But this is a big game of catch-up, and um, if you enjoy hearing me retch about all of this pop culture stuff that we love, I love, you love, we all love, like I said, um, don't worry, I'm not going to do those weird little cushion episodes, um, those those panel episodes, all that often, unless absolutely needed. I'm going to try to get back on track and get into something that, on a different show, that I have called Damn Doug's Get Mental Neuroses, where it's more about me personally and my, uh, well, my acute mental neuroses. It's right there in the title. I have a, a little sticky note, and it's called The List You Cannot See, and I'm trying to think of a, a version of that for this show, so I don't know. What am I going to call it? The Puke Pile? That sounds awful. But let's get into the episode, and let's get right into, well, the episode, The List. Spyro Reignited. I picked this up recently, um, and I basically am just taking a break from all of the insane Riddler trophies from Arkham uh, Arkham Knight, because I was getting frustrated. And of course, I was like, well, what's a great palate cleanser? Spyro Reignited. Nothing like Batman Arkham Knight. I have never played a Spyro game. Um, I... It wasn't, I was more into, like, all of the, like, hack and slash stuff from, like, God of War when Spyro was coming out with, um, on PlayStation 1, maybe? Um, but I, I never really got into it, and I started playing the first Spyro, and it's a lot of fucking fun. Now, given I didn't think it was that challenging in that I managed to find 99% of the, like, dragons to be freed from their crystal prisons. Um, I made it to the, like, final boss, Nasty Nork, uh, I believe his name is, fairly easily. Uh, maybe in a matter of less than a week that I almost beat the first Spyro. Now, why did I say almost there? It's because the boss is fucking insane. It's, like, you have to, like, chase him, and he's surrounded by, like, these, like, floating platforms and all this shit, and it's like trying to rush, um, jumping platform to platform to platform to platform while trying to like catch up to him so you can light his ass on fire is really fucking difficult, and I've taken a break from just playing that. Um, I've gone back to the Telltale Guardians of the Galaxy game, which I'm almost through, and then I'll go back to Spyro and see if I've calmed down. Now, obviously, I'm getting worked up just even fucking thinking about uh, chasing... Everything everything is based on, on chasing things. There are these little wizard guys with keys, and I managed to kind of figure out, like, kind of the tricks to chasing them down to get to Nasty Nark, Nork, whatever his name is, uh, weird alligator wizard. And I can then chase, like, him through his, like, first little stage, uh, and no problem, it's the second one, which apparently is, like, the last one. Like, I'm, I get, like, fucking seconds away from beating that game, and I fucking die, and it's really frustrating, and I'm shaking my fist to the heavens. I shouldn't be this frustrated over Spyro. But I don't want to, I don't even know if I can start the second game before I beat the first one. That might be something I'll look into and kind of 
maybe take a, you know, we'll, I'm, I'll still play Spyro, but I'll take a break from that first one. Um, I know that's kind of a, a faux pas in video games, um, is starting the second game before you finish the first, but fuck it. Uh, it's my life and I can do whatever I want to, like the John Bon Jovi song says. Um, I'm going to do it my way, like the Frank Sinatra song says. I'm going to stop uh, living my life according to songs. This is one that... Great segue, Doug. This is one that I know I'm late to the party in terms of talking about reviewing it, but the Avengers Endgame trailer. I should have just put out a little short thing about this. Let's get right into it. Tony Stark dying on the Milano, apparently. Because he records his last will and testament to a uh, kind of beat-up patchwork Iron Man mask uh, or helmet. And head casing. I like head casing. But anyway, questions asked about that. Where the fuck is Nebula? How did they get to the Milano? Basically, at the end of Infinity War, Tony Stark and Nebula are the only two... You know, he, they must be heading back to Earth, I assume, whereas Nebula... What else is there in that? I mean, Thor looks like he's in some kind of containment um, cell. You've got Captain America and Black Widow going like, this plan has to work because we need it to work or we're fucked. Uh, Ant-Man comes back at the end. He's like, hey, I'm Ant-Man. Remember me? I got a plan, guys. Um, so we'll see uh, what his whole thing is. Uh, he obviously got out of the quantum realm somehow. Quantum zone, whatever it is. Zone, realm, place, head casing. The only thing I absolutely did not like about this trailer is a big, in my opinion, a, a, a big reveal. You do see uh, Gaia Ninja suit with a sword, and I'm like, holy fuck, they're putting Ronin in an Avengers movie. Ronin being a fairly new Avengers character. It's basically a um, ninja-type persona that's passed from person to person to person uh, when that person needs... Uh, you know, is, is a ronin, is a masterless samurai, needs an identity that isn't um, associated with anything. And the first person to have it was Maya Lopez, a.k.a. Echo, which is kind of a daredevil. She's like a deaf daredevil. She's deaf, but she has the, like, photogenic, um, photogenic reflexes of Taskmaster. So she can, um, she may not be able to hear, but she can see someone do something and then replicate it physically. Uh, and the first time she and Daredevil fight, he uh, chases her to like this like noisy train yard where his hearing is overloaded and she kicks the fuck out of him because she's obviously not bothered by sound being deaf. Uh, he ended up figuring that out and uh, ended up rematching with her in like a like pitch black room, thus taking away her sight and giving him the advantage, him being blind. Uh, she ended up passing the Ronin... Identity to Hawkeye, Clint Barton, who had been, like, killed and brought back and killed and brought back um, through the whole uh, Avengers disassembled and House of M events in Marvel Comics. And the fact, and I'll, here's the point, the fact that, like, you see Ronan, I was like, oh, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. And then, uh, and I was like, oh, it's probably Hawkeye, like, who knows? And then he, like, takes off the mask and it's Hawkeye, and I was like, motherfucker. I really wish they would have waited for that reveal. Now, given it's not a huge leap in logic, I think anyone who didn't read comics and didn't really know who Ronin is could, A, have already looked that up, and B, figured it out. They're like, where's, 
you know, Hawkeye been, he's been Ronin. Um, I, it's not a huge leap in logic. So maybe that's why they did the kind of quote unquote big reveal on that. Um, but I, you know what, as much as it sounds like an ego stroke, some of this stuff where I read the comics and I've got, I've got a friend who's been watching, um, all the Netflix Marvel stuff now that they're canceling it all. And she has questions and I love that they, my friends come to me and go, Oh, well what's, who's that guy and what's his thing? And is that the same in the comic? And what, what does that post credit, you know, scene mean and what's going on there? And I love it, it. It lets me talk nerd when I don't really get to do it all that often and have them actually listen to me as opposed to just rambling about the new Spider-Man Deadpool trade paperback, which I bought and is funny. And that's all I've really got to say. I will, uh, uh damn it. I'm still in Avengers. Let's get through that. Um, am I excited? Yeah. Are there questions? Absolutely. Have I asked most of them? No. You know, what's going on with Thanos? Why is his armor a fucking scarecrow? Uh, you know, what's what's going to happen? Is it going to be time travel? This is the second time the word endgame has been used. It's been used uh, by Doctor Strange in uh, Infinity War, and it's been used by Iron Man in Age of Ultron. So how long has this, quote, endgame been set up? It ought to be interesting. Like I said, they did uh, leak some set pictures of Ant-Man talking to Captain America and Iron Man uh, during the Battle of New York, which happened in the first Avengers, or it's called The Incident in all of the Netflix stuff. And uh, Ant-Man obviously wasn't there. So, time travel? Probably. Um, this has been pretty much confirmed, though not by the Russo brothers, but, uh, you know, the fact that Michelle Pfeiffer at one point in Ant-Man Wasp says, watch out for the time-somethings. And I'm like, okay, well, here we go. So, we'll see. I mean, how does he even get out of the quantum realm? I mean, they had to, like, pull him back, right? To get the stuff for Ghost. So, we'll see. I mean, he just can't grow big. He could be in the middle of a wall for all he knows. But, we shall see. Things that no one has questions about. I rewatched Face Off with Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. In my opinion, still holds up. First John Woo American movie, which means... Slow motion gunfights and doves. Uh, it's still a fun movie. It is just Travolta and Cage cranking it up to 12, which these guys are known for like chewing the scenery and being hams. And for them to go like, okay, I just, I just want to be in the room when Nicolas Cage and John Travolta were like, okay, I'm going to act like you, acting like me, acting like you. And I, I really wanted to be in the room while they practiced that for like two hours. And then like they probably were just screaming at each other like, each other and it's bonkers love it um still holds up it's just a fun just a fun action movie though once again I, and i brought this up on an episode of no applause just to clap the government spends how many billions of dollars basically building a magnet prison when that money could have probably been spent rehabilitating most of these people as opposed to keeping them off the books in a government black site prison right who finale? Once again, another great, uh, segue. So Doctor Who had its, uh, season finale already. Like, that seemed really quick for me. Basically, here are some of my takeaways. Um, I love Jodie Whittaker as the new Doctor. I think she's great. I think she's doing a great job. She brings levity, um, levity and gravitas. I mean, I think she's 
kind of got like the emotional, the same emotional core as like the Matt Smith era where she can be a pissed off badass and she can be, you know, childlike wonder in the same, you know, couple of beats every episode. Do I like the companions? Yeah, they've grown on me. Did they get some closure? Absolutely. Do we need to see more specific character arcs in the next, you know, season or two from each of the companions? Yes. Um, Graham had his whole arc this season with the death of his wife and then coming to grips with that and not killing his wife's murderer, who's a guy who's kind of a predator, but he uh, his trophies are teeth that he sticks in his skin. It's terrifying to some extent. Do I want to see, you know, the other characters have their arcs and closure? Absolutely. Uh, Yaz and Ryan. So I think that's where I would go. But Chris Chibnall isn't returning my emails. Weird. Um, I did think this season was a little preachy. It very much got into, I wouldn't say anti-American, but it very much was kind of holding a mirror to the American audience and going like, hey, here's some like social injustices that we may you know, be dealing with or have dealt with. A lot of it was stuff with uh, racism with the Rosa Parks episode or um, shootings and, and the gun culture in terms of that episode with the, uh, I think it was called um, Arachnids in the UK or something. It, it had to do with giant spiders. And uh, there was kind of a Trumpian uh, hotel owner that was like, just shoot them. And I was like, oh, that was subtle. There, of course, was the Kamblam episode, which I really liked. Uh, but, you know, it does talk about how automation is, is taking over industries. And at one point, a character says, like, if we just would have looked up from our phones, we would have noticed this. And I'm like, okay, so there's, you know, the one-two punch of, we look at our phones too much, and we're letting, you know, automation take over, you know, humans in, in industry and business. So I thought that this season was a little preachy, but, and a little uneven, uh, but I think they've kind of unlocked the like, hey, let's have some fun um, as well. Uh, so, and you, and you see that through with Jodie Whittaker and some of the more, uh, they didn't really have like an outright comedy episode this season. Um, once again, it was a lot of social stuff. They had the witch hunt one and that, that they talked about how like the doctor couldn't have been the witch hunter general when she shows them the um, psychic paper uh, because she's a lady and that she should just be good for snooping and gossiping. So, I mean, they, they did some fun stuff, going to different eras and different planets and and all that. But, yeah, the, the, the social um, commentary was, I, I thought, a little heavy-handed. You know what wasn't heavy-handed and a shit ton of fun? The Elseworlds crossover with Flash, Arrow, and Supergirl. The Legends got um, left out of this, and it gets explained on the episode of Legends called Legends of Two Meow Meow which is fantastic because Constantine fucks up, breaks time, and one of their characters is turned into a cat. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. They had homages to the A-Team and Charlie's Angels, and uh, it, it, was, it was a great episode, but they're basically dealing with fixing time with Constantine and Charlie, who's a shape-shifting uh, magical creature, and they end up ignoring, basically, the voicemails from Supergirl, Flash, and Arrow, which I thought was fun. Because they went, no, no, like, we don't really fit in, but we're going to give a nod. And they make a meta joke that, you know, must be that time of year for the crossover. Ha, ha, ha. Elseworlds was 
at first I just thought it was like a Freaky Friday thing. Like, you know, you've got Dr. Destiny, they never outright call him that, but it's it's basically John D. or in the new continuity in both the comics and the show, it's John Deegan. But, so if I say John D., it's because I'm remembering pre-New 52 uh, continuity in my head. But Dr. Destiny uh, rewrites history, or rewrites reality with this book that was given to him from by a monitor, which is like a like a watcher of the multiverse. Um, and at first he just kind of Freaky Fridays Oliver and Barry, or uh, uh, Green Arrow and Flash, respectively. So they go, uh, they go grab Superman and Supergirl to help. John D. ends up rewriting history again so that he's Superman, which then they get Superman in, and it's a badass Superman fight. Uh, and then it turns out this whole thing is because the Monitor is trying to test this reality to protect them from, so they can fight something that's more powerful than a Monitor, which is, they have, like, cosmic-level powers, but not, like, ultimately godlike. Um, it might seem that way, but it, they really don't. Um, now, what's more powerful than a Monitor? Well, the thing is, they teased it at the end, uh, once everything's wrapped up and everything's fine, um, with, uh, with the Elseworlds. It says, coming next year, 2019, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Now, this is a big deal because, one, this is one of the most well-known storylines in DC history. It was the first time they rewrote their entire continuity. It's also a big one because that's the comic where Barry Allen, the Flash, runs so fast he basically dies. Uh, Barry Allen was gone for about 20, 25 years in, like, our time, and in, in, not in, like, comic time. But in our time, um, Wally West becomes the Flash. That's when I started reading, and Wally West is my Flash. Barry Allen, I think. Um, I like him under Jeff Johns, but that's about as far as it goes. But Flash has been building up to that since, you know, the first season, that there is this hologram newspaper in the Time Vault that says, you know, Flash disappears in crisis, and that crisis isn't supposed to exist for, like, another... Like, I think, like, it was, like, ten years-ish, when I, like, paused and looked at the date. Um, so, is Nora's time traveling gonna fuck with this? And the thing is, is, like, that the crisis? Is Barry going to, quote-unquote, die again, or be trapped in the Speed Force again? And they finally started talking about the Speed Force writing, which I guess Nora made up, uh, but then she goes and talks to Yebard Thon, I think, or it could be an Evil Wells, I'm not sure, those are my theories on the Flash mid-season finale. But, woo, Elseworlds, so much fun. Uh, it was really fun watching uh, Ollie try to, like, acclimate to his uh, speed, uh, as well as Barry Allen being, like, kind of the fun-loving, like, happy Green Arrow, where, you know, Ollie's like, no, like, I'm driven by this guilt and this anger, and that's what the Green Arrow is, and Flash is like, well, when I run, I let everything go, and I feel free and happy, and, you know, the two characters going, well, maybe we need to act, you know, Barry needs to tap into his inner darkness, and uh, Ollie needs to kind of free himself from that, versus they're like, well, maybe we need to, you know, stay in character, and that's what will, you know, help us. So it was really interesting watching the uh, Barry Allen Oliver Queen juxtaposition, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna rewatch Elseworlds. Um, I didn't rewatch uh, Invasion or whatever the other one was, uh, Crisis on Earth X. Um, oh, but I love John Wesley Ship coming back as the Flash from Earth ninety. 
because um, that's I remember watching the Flash, um, original Flash from the '90s, and I loved the weird throwaway line that no one seemed to have caught except for like some nerds on the internet and me. Where I when I was talking to a friend the next day at, at the day job, where I said, "Oh, they made that joke about like John, where's your ring?" And I was like, "Oh fuck, Diggle's a Green Lantern on Earth 90. Awesome." Um, speaking of finales, let's talk about the Mystery Science Theater 3000 finale. I finally got through what's the season called The Gauntlet, because it was made to be binged uh, on Netflix. Ha ha, meta reference, meta humor. And it seems at the end of this whole thing, Jonah tricks Kinga and TV's son of TV's Max into uh, being transported to having to watch bad movies, a taste of their own medicine, while Jonah and the robots somehow truck it back to Earth. Is this the finale of MST3K? I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's one of those, it's the show's so silly, it could be like, oh no, our, you know, earthbound vehicle ran out of gas and we have to turn back around, or they get uh, hijacked by aliens and, you know, have to watch movies more, or Kinga figures something out. So it's, I don't know, because Netflix never releases their, their viewership numbers, which irritates the fuck out of me, but, you know, they just celebrated their 30th anniversary, and the new uh, MST3Ks are just as good as the old ones. Um, I love the updated references. I love like the you know the banter is still the same. It's all in the same original spirit. Um, they didn't. They weren't like oh we're gonna update it, make it cool for the kids and the millennials. Fuck that noise. Uh, it's the same goddamn show with slightly different people. So I love it. I'm. Uh, I still laugh at slippers for cats. It's the dumbest thing. I'm not even gonna explain the context, but it's on the last episode. And it's, uh, I still giggle and just thinking of slippers for cats. So, anyway, uh, and then lastly, I watched Mission Impossible Fallout, finally. It's been sitting in my queue for weeks and weeks, and I finally went, okay, let's just watch something mindless where I don't really have to f worry about it. And it's to the extent where I didn't have to worry about it so much that 20 minutes in, I knew a huge plot twist when they're like, oh, John Lark, this identity assumed by this terrorist and no one knows what he looks like, and I was like, it's that guy. And I was right. Um, I mean, it's a fun, no-thinker action movie. Was it the best of the franchise? I don't think so. I know that's an unpopular opinion. Uh, a lot of people think this was one of the best. I think it added a lot of closure to the whole Julia-Ethan Hunt thing, um, which I'd forgotten about since two movies ago. And I like that it adds closure to, like, Rogue Nation... Um, with the, whatever his name is, Solomon Lane, um, and that whole thing. But I still think Ghost Protocol's the best one. Sorry. And it's not just because Brad Bird knocked it way out of the park, uh, on his first live-action directing, but I mean, just the, like, all of the stuff that happens in Dubai is so fucking cool. Um, but no, Fallout was fun. Um, I'd be interested to see if they're gonna do another Mission Impossible, because, I mean, really... Henry Cavill, Superman, had an excellent point when he was talking to Angela Bassett, who played Amanda Waller in Green Lantern, so there's your DC connection. You know, he goes, well, how many times can like we disavow and burn him and false flag him and whatever and fuck with him until, you know, he does, you know, he goes out on his own. He goes rogue. Um, or how many times can he go rogue and then we bring him back and blah, blah, blah. So, who knows? Um, I think if they do one more, that should be it. I think they should just wrap it up because at that point, that's a great commentary on the franchises. How many times 
can he defuse a nuclear bomb? How many times can he be set up? How many times are we not going to believe that he's the good guy? Um, because of, like, false evidence every fucking movie. Um, it's just gotten to the point where it's not necessarily recycled, but the 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 kind of plot MacGuffin uh, in that, like, you know, he's being betrayed by someone. It's like, yeah, no, we get it. It's all double and triple crosses. And it's starting to be very, uh, you know, I, I can see, you know, the hidden gun in it, uh, if I may borrow a, a, a reference from uh, Chuck Palahniuk. But, you know, I, I, I see the smoking gun coming a mile away. So I think they should just do that. And, like, Tom Cruise, I guess, like, broke his foot, like, running across the roofs of wherever they were, Paris or something. I mean, the guy's he's getting up there. Like, I mean, I'm sure he's in great shape. He must be to, like, climb helicopters and shit. But, I mean, it comes a point where you're like, I can't keep putting my body in jeopardy, and either I'm going to have to stop doing my own stunts or... I'm not to, like, pass on the Ethan Hunt thing to, you know, the next generation, which would admittedly be hackneyed and suck if it were to happen. I'd like to see Ethan Hunt just go down a high note. Um, not that I'm a huge fan of the, you know, Mission Impossible movies, but, I mean, like I said, they're fun action movies. And in that, that's it for the puke pile. I got nothing. For the uh, ads nauseum, that, that kind of works. Um, still don't have a sign-off for this either. I don't have a name for my list. I don't have... This is all a work in progress. So, in that, I'm Doug. Nerd. Vomit. I'm a nerd. My vomit. Hope you enjoyed it. If you liked this, check out some of our other shows like Mr. Right, Exotic Liability, and No Applause, Just the Clap. You can find us at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for... BACN on iTunes and Stitcher. Oh, yeah.